Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for making a commitment to learning and hope everybody is doing well. I am your host, Jordan Porter, joined by the fantastic, friendly, and funny Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I was keeping it simple. Simple, but they're good words. I'll take them. <laughs> F was easy. <laughs> I know, right? I didn't even need to Google anything. <laughs> Seriously, some of the letters I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. It's because I'm not a human thesaurus. Yeah, yeah, definitely not my strong suit right there. It's it's not, I mean, I'm not too bad, but I definitely don't have just a bunch of words for each letter of the alphabet. So <laughs> it would be pretty amazing if you did. You just like throw people off in every day <laughs> word for the same thing. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Someone's like, yo, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm doing exuberant today. <laughs> I'm doing exuberantly today. Yeah. Oh my God. People be like, okay, don't yeah, hang they're... out with her. <laughs> yeah. You're annoying. <laughs> oh my God. I'd be like, what? Don't you love my funny quirk? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we do have a little bit of a shout out. Thank you, Liza, by the way. Thank you, Liza. She recommended uh, the podcast in Vet Tech Nation. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I love when I see the actual recommendations by other people. <laughs> Instead yeah, so of we being don't like, like self-promote. <laughs> yeah, because I always feel weird about that. Yeah, I would rather other people promote us than us like self-promote ourselves on other pages. Because yeah makes yeah. me feel weird yeah i'm also bad about promoting us on our page so you know there's there's that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i keep forgetting to do it dang it it's been a little busy <sighs> yeah i'm just oh, sorry this is like a little bit of a fun update though uh the she shack is almost done which is going to be the internal medicine for vet techs uh west coast office (laughs) um and I bought paint yesterday so I think I think in the next couple days paint will actually go on the walls which is super exciting um and I have my computer that I just got this week and and I I have I have a desk that needs to get put together but then once that happens things things are gonna be I'm I'm gonna be so excited I'm gonna have space I'll be able to like work on things in there instead of being frustrated about being in my kitchen. (laughs) Right. Matt was looking at a new house yesterday. Um, that is like our dream house and it's, um, it's like an hour away from where we are now, Oh wow! but would be totally worth it. Like for Mm. for this house. Yeah. It is our our dream house and it's huge. It was 3,600 square feet. Holy crap. I was like, dude, I could have an East Coast office. <laughs> you totally could. Oh my gosh. It was huge. It had a dock and it was like on the water and it had wow. like the dock was at like, dude, a pristine fishing spot. Matt and I were looking at the pictures. We're like, oh my God, think of all the redfish we could catch right here on this <laughs> bend. And like, and the colors oh were like, dude, us, like this house was like painted bright colors. And I was like, we wouldn't even have to repaint the walls because they're already stupid bright blue. And nice. Matt and I are like, this is amazing. <laughs> That's so, so crazy. Just needs to work consistently <sighs> now for the next couple of months. It's been two weeks. I worked consistently for two weeks. Nice. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to get COVID again, right? Well, I mean, I could, but. You could, but hopefully not. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, (laughs) Kevin got his vaccine this week, which is crazy because I was listening to our episode last week where we were talking about the one vaccine, the one shot and not knowing about it. Well, so (laughs) that's what Kevin got. (laughs) That's what Kevin got. Yeah. It was funny because he got like a email from, I don't know if it was from the county or the state or whatever, because he had signed up 
for this my turn thing, which would mm-hmm. tell him when he's eligible. So he got the email and like we immediately called our like primary care yeah. doctor, like Kaiser, um, and sat on hold for about 30 minutes. <laughs> but then he like talked to the person and she was like, Oh yeah, you qualify. She's like, um, do you want to schedule your appointment and he's like sure and so she's like okay well we have one today at 225 now mind you it was 140 <laughs> when we made this phone call so he was and she's like so we have one at 225 or we have one tomorrow and he's like I'll do it today and like she's like do you need a reminder email and he was like no it's in 40 minutes <laughs> so literally like we had been in the middle of working on like drywall stuff and so we we're like drop everything like go to the doctor for his vaccine and he comes out and he's like oh yeah no I'm done I'm like okay did you schedule your second vaccine and he was like nope I just got the one and I was like what so yes apparently the Johnson and Johnson is a one-time just one vaccine there's no follow-up vaccine so for you Jordan that's the one I would recommend the one and done instead of the series of two I've asked about it and my office manager still recommends the two. So similar story. Um, Matt texted me and he's like, hey, Kroger's throwing out some doses. And oh. I said no to getting mine. And I was like, why? He's like, I'm just going to wait a little bit. I was like, okay. I was like, uh, he's like, well, do you want yours? And I was like, ah, dude, I was on the fence. Cause I was like, should I wait a little bit longer until like I'm more fully recovered from COVID? Like, cause you're supposed to wait two weeks. Like you're not allowed to get the vaccine if you've had COVID within two weeks, but I had just hit like the two week mark, like the day before that I had tested negative. So I was Mm. like, so I called my office manager and I was like, Hey, I have the option to get vaccinated like now. And (laughs) I was like, um, because your you, office manager is the, the epidemiologist epi- yeah. person, right? Yeah. So long story short, uh, I didn't want Kroger to throw away any doses because I was like, dude, what a shame. Like, so I went Seriously. over and I got my vaccine and I was fine. I got a rash, which like, I'm not overly surprised about that. Like I got a rash because just with l- lupus and stuff, I get rashes like pretty easily. Um, was it immediately after or was no, it? No, it was like the next day I saw this rash, like on my arm around my oh. injection site. Um, but it was almost gone by the end of the following day. Um, and then like, so I told the pharmacist dude at Kroger and I was like, Hey, I have some employees at work who are also still looking to get the vaccine. Like, if you're going to throw out any, like, please let me know. I was like, I have two employees who just want, like, are, we're all ready to just get it. And, um, he's like, okay, well, do they fall in the criteria? I was like, we're healthcare workers kind of depending on which state you ask he's like good enough for me and I was like that's awesome yeah so he called me the next day so I got my vaccine on Thursday and then he called me Friday and he was like hey I have a couple vaccines expiring at five today can you send your coworkers over and I was like yep and it was like I think it was like 3 30 so I was like Alicia you go right now and then I was like and Rachel you go in about 10-15 minutes I was like let's finish up this patient and go <laughs> like oh that's cool good for because it was only down the street from my work so I was like yeah. <laughs> that's really cool though that's yeah it's such a oh, it's so frustrating that places are having to throw some out I like like I get it I get why it happens but it's it's frustrating that that's even a thing when there's so many people who want to get vaccinated mm-hmm. you know um, and that was something that um, one of my one of my coworkers had said was, you know, that there are places that you have to throw them out, and then if you like talk to them towards the end of the day, or just sometimes just show up, mm-hmm. <laughs> or get put on like a wait list or something like that, that um, you might be able to get it that way. And I was like, yeah, wow. yeah, because they're already drawn up and stuff like that. And basically, mm-hmm. what they do is like they have an allotted amount for the day. Because Matt was telling me this, he's like, we get an allotted amount for the day, but of course we have like no shows who just don't right. come and get vaccinated. Um, so by For a certain time reason. of day, yeah. yeah, he's like, we, cause we have to throw them out at a certain time. Like mine expired at like four fifteen, So I went over and got mine at three 30 and I was like, okay. <laughs> right. You're like, <laughs> like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh, my coworker, because it was a Friday, like I was trying to get her out, but theirs expired at five and I got her over there at like 440 I think and I was like I was like I'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy I know my parents um 
it's they went to one of the so we live in the san francisco bay area and they went to the oakland coliseum which is where like the a's play and all this stuff right Mm -hmm. um and uh they they have like a huge vaccine like site there and she's and my parents were like there was 12 rows of cars just like waiting to get vaccinated and i was like jeez it's a it's an insane amount of people like in one spot to get vaccinated but yeah yeah whatever Yeah. And I don't, I'm definitely not pushing for the people who don't want, like, feel comfortable getting vaccinated to get vaccinated. Like I'm still not if, like a hundred percent comfortable so, with getting yeah. vaccinated. <laughs> like, Yeah. Sometimes I think about it and I'm like, ah, but you know, I would like some normalcy back in life. <laughs> no, my boss was like, well, technically if we're all vaccinated, then we only have to wear masks when we go out to greet clients. And I was like, done. I, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Cause like, uh, right. So last time, we talked about it. It was just me and my best friend. So now it's me and my best friend and my husband. So the three out of four of us are vaccinated. So last night we hung out and we were like, now we just got to get your husband vaccinated and we'll be good. And he's like, I'm trying. And I, I joked because like one of the criteria is like BMI above 40. And I was like, you yeah. just need to gain a bunch of weight. Right. <laughs> and he's like, nah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Matt's definitely still hesitant just because we just had COVID and yeah. I'm like, Apparently I'm just going to push the limits because I'm like, yeah, I just recovered from COVID and I'm in a mild lupus flare. No big deal, but like, oh my God, seriously, but I was desperate. <sighs> yeah, it is. It, it's one of those things like, yes, it's not a hundred percent, but I will take any percentage of coverage over none and everybody freaking out. Um, I mean, I figured I've had COVID now and now I'm going to have like be fully vaccinated by the end of next month. Like I'm good. Yeah. And then my boss always like drops me down a peg. He's like, well, there's new variants all the time. And I was like, can you just let me like not worry about something for a day? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, there's variants, but I mean, that's just give me a day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's coronavirus, right? Like I giggle and I'm like, as long as I don't get FIP, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was know. telling Matt. I was like, would you feel more comfortable if I told you it was like the canine vaccine? And he was like, yeah, probably. I was like, okay. <laughs> right. So, I'm going to be anyway. a cat, not get FIP. That'd be great. <laughs> yes. We should probably dive into the episode. It's like, we were so sick of talking about COVID and now it's like, let's just talk about the COVID vaccine. <laughs> well, I think we were just like, we're not going to dive into that, but it's like, it's been a year. Like we can't not talk about it. Like it's been I'm a year. Seeing all these memes on like Facebook about how it was like one year ago today that we were introduced to Tiger King and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God. Oh God. It's like really? what saved us. Yeah. It's what wow. saved us when lockdown first happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a messed up show. I didn't I think I watched like half an episode and I was like, okay, cool. Done. Yeah. I'm back on the bandwagon of not watching TV despite my obsession that I got while I had COVID um, with a certain TV show. And now I'm like obsessed with going to the gym. Cause like, so I was telling you about how I had those muscle aches and stuff like that when I had COVID and it was like basically my muscles melting away. And I was like, dude, like, so I was like (laughs) a lot weaker once I like had recovered from COVID. Mm -hmm. And so like, I you know, my OCD kicked in a little and I was like, I got to gain this back. And so I've been, I went to the gym five days this week. Oh, okay. Well, don't overdo it. No, no, no. (laughs) Like, I'm being very, very good. Like Matt's been going with me too. And so like him and I are very diligent about like lifting lightly and not overdoing it. Like, good. So yeah, it is going well. Good. Nice. Yeah. So good old OCD, just getting me back in shape. So well, that'll be, that'll be good. Cause we could talk about that during the health episode too. <laughs> yes. I can talk about the gym and managing my OCD. Right? Which, um, I don't think I'm managing the OCD part very well, but <sighs> you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, like if I can obsess about something that keeps me healthy, it's better than when I obsess about the things that don't keep me healthy. Like when I had True. COVID, I was obsessing over this TV show and freaking my like things that were pointless. I obsessed over, we'll talk about it during the mental health episode, but like <laughs> I was obsessing over like a Scottish heritage. Oh, like, right. Just, <laughs> yes. And like, that. yeah. And like, apparently I'm Scottish, even though like clearly I look nothing like any <laughs> Scottish person ever. Mm. 
And so, um, because I definitely have more of like the Slovakian in me than I do <laughs> the Scottish. Um, but yeah, my grandma was like half Scottish. So I was like, mm, that puts quite a bit of Scottish in me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Huh. So anyway, I obsessed yeah. over that for a little while and That's now cool. I'm obsessing over the gym. Well, yeah, there's worse things to obsess over. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to this <laughs> week's episode, <laughs> nothing like our 15 minute banter of nothingness. The first thing the episode. I mean, if people hate it, they can fast forward, right? I feel like people like it. <laughs> right? I mean, they're still here, right? You guys are still here, right? <laughs> they're like, oh, and we've tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> There's crickets. There's crickets going on. Right <laughs> <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Hello. <laughs> anyway, so this uh, week, yeah, it's still not race approved, but I promise it is coming. I'm also still working on the... Um, CE questions. I was having like computer problems and then we had website problems. And so like, I'm just behind. <sighs> Let's just be real. I'm just behind, yeah. um, but I'll get it up. But this week we are talking about mega esophagus. So we'll be race approved and we'll let everybody know when that happens, but it will be available on the internal medicine for vet Techs membership site under the podcast course. Non-members can use it as self-study. Someone asked me, I think they sent an email asking if they could use this for cpd in the uk and the answer is yes yep um we don't it doesn't need to be race approved for you to use it as cpd in the uk well i guess you would have to check with your so when i talk your licensing to, body yeah so i talked to laura about this um probably i don't know maybe six months a year ago something like that um so race approval is specific to um the united states uh, and Canada may use it. It's not their governing body, but so race approval is specific for the United States because it's the, um, uh, it's how state boards know that certain CE is quote unquote legit. Um, and so it is for governing bodies within the United States. It's, it's a thing, um, for the UK for CPD, um, so continuous professional development, uh, they have so many amazing things that they can use for their professional development. So as long as you follow their guidelines of writing it up and reflection and all that stuff, it totally counts because they don't have a like governing thing for continuing education. So it, it definitely counts. Um, and so you can, you can count it towards your CBD, which is really nice. Cause I looked at the Royal Veterinary College to see what was required. Um, so I, I did, I did look into this because I thought it was an interesting question. Good job. <laughs> it's because what right. happens. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about mega esophagus. I do have a favorite patient who has mega esophagus. He's kind of my favorite because he's my boss's dog. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, of course it's a veterinarian's pet. That's yeah. Well, it like goes. they, um, the owner surrendered him when they diagnosed the megasophagus because the dog oh, was like really? a year and a half old and it was oh, like a wow. really old guy who just could not like, I mean, it's it. a, it's a big thing. So yeah. Knowing your yeah. limits is very important. His name is Bo and he is the best. Oh my God. <laughs> he gets so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than the erpy weird things, I mean, yeah, occasionally his face smells, but like, is usually pretty good. He's fine. He's a little like Shih Tzu mix. Oh my god, he's the best because like, oh god, <laughs> I just oh, love right. him. He used to like when I first started working for my boss, like he used to come to work all the time because they would have to feed him at work because that was right. back when, um, my office manager was working a lot more too. And so like he would just sit at the desk with you and like sit upright and just like hang out with you while you're typing or answering the phones like, oh, he was the best. Of <laughs> and now he's all like six years old and I'm like, oh my God, Bo, how'd you get so old? I know. Oh my gosh. Crazy. And he's only gotten pneumonia like a handful of times. Like it's just a handful. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine <laughs> all right so let's talk about what the hell i am going on and on and on about so <laughs> definition of megaesophagus is a dilation of the esophagus with loss of normal peristaltic motility 
This can be congenital, acquired, or idiopathic. Um, so like we talked about in episode 69, we did talk about how the esophagus does have that peristaltic waves to move the food from the mouth down to the stomach. Um, so what the esophagus is, if you don't know, you know. We've only referenced it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how I went like super basic with this. So the esophagus is a tube that connects the throat, which is after the mouth, yep. to the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so as we discussed, like I said, in episode 69, the movement of food from the mouth down through the esophagus into the stomach is anything but passive. So it is very, very active. Um, the saliva triggers things to start moving and, and, and start going, which I still just, I was talking about that to someone the other day and I was like, your saliva is actually very important to your bodily <laughs> function. So please don't just like hinder it as like nasty. Like, <laughs> um. So once food is in the mouth, the action of chewing and saliva being produced stimulates the neurologic reflexes. Nice. Eat your heart out, Brittany. That also stimulate, <laughs> stimulate muscle contractions and relaxation to move food rapidly down to, to the stomach. So this is not a slow process whatsoever. No. Um, but like I said, I'll go back to my whole drafts. Probably had mega esophagus <laughs> and that's why they have long necks. Uh, oh God. <laughs> you thought I would drop it, didn't you? Uh, no, no, no. I figured it was going to come up at some point. If you didn't do it, I was going to. <laughs> oh my God. I love the draft thing. I, I think it's legit. Um, okay. So <laughs> I'm, I've had coffee this morning. Can you tell? I'm like talking super fast again. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Look, I do have water. Good job. Water. Woo! I've had coffee and then pre-workout and then I went to the gym and now I'm here. Oh Lord. Okay. Don't worry. I'm going to take a nap after. Because <laughs> all like your energy is gone. You're like, ah, okay, good. I'm going to talk a bunch really fast for an hour and then I'm going to go take a nap. Nice. Um, okay. So at the same time that the nerves and the muscles are being told to move food down the esophagus, other nerves, which I also find amazing, other nerves in the body are stimulated to close off airways so that food or water is not aspirated. All yeah. like simultaneously. Because you know yeah. And again, homeostasis. what that, that word that we love in this podcast? Well, and it's really important because, and again, this is autonomic <laughs> nervous system, because again, you don't want to have to be like, oh, I'm about to swallow my food. I should close off my trachea so I can swallow it and not inhale it. For as many times as I've choked on water, though, I sometimes question that ability of mine. <laughs> I mean, I choke on spit all the time. So, you know, <laughs> as we both like clear. <laughs> I was like, I know, huh, like huh. let's just go ahead and get that out of my throat right now. <laughs> so in cases of mega esophagus, though, these reflexes are going to be interrupted. So this can be caused by either disease of the esophageal tissue or nerve disease, which blew my mind when I wrote it because I was like, duh mechanical like, of course or it electrical could be. exactly yep but of course like my brain's like no it's only mechanical but now <laughs> you hush jordan like <laughs> <laughs> it could be either <laughs> well i yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah and i think that's important to remember is that you know that that's part of the reason why we talk about it in my gravis because you've got the nerve part of it really that and, and that's part of the rule outs right when we have mega esophagus or when we have myasthenia gravis like do we have mega esophagus so again it's you've got you've got both sides of it mechanical and electrical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when disease happens of either the esophageal tissue or the nerve tissue the esophagus loses its normal tone and its ability to move through and then in turn it dilates and it just becomes nice and flaccid and has no function um other <sighs> than i guess just keeping it still going down which it's is like a, it's like a it's like a stretched out sock yeah, you know instead of worst. being like on your foot it's like and up your leg it just like falls to your ankle and it's just mm -hmm. like doesn't doesn't support you very well or like when you have foot. leggings and like the ankle part is all stretched out and loose. <laughs> right? Ugh. And you're like, oh, look, I have elephant legs. It's cool. the worst. Okay. Uh, 
So when these reflexes are disrupted, it can also disrupt the reflexes that protect the airway as well. So that is how our aspiration pneumonia can commonly occur. It's because those reflexes that tell the body to block off the airway and not mm -hmm. inhale your water or your food is like, nope, we're just going to hang out and stay open because we don't know what's happening. Yeah. We're not being told to close. Now, I would guess that that's... <sighs> Well, no. Okay. I was going to say, it seems like it'd be more electrical, but I guess mechanical as well, because I'm sure the, the dilation and the contraction of the esophagus probably stimulates the nerves as well. So I, it's exactly. probably, it's probably like, obviously they're intertwined. So yeah, because once you start chewing and the saliva starts, then you start those peristaltic waves. It's almost like the coagulation cascade yeah. it's like and then you start the peristaltic peristaltic waves of your esophagus but then your airway should close off too but it all should happen kind of like right after each other very immediate like you know right. like the coagulation system so in our congenital cases it is thought that mega esophagus occurs due to incomplete nerve development which same thing kind of like blew oh. my mind i was like well that makes total sense because like yeah. what kind of esophageal disease really could occur in like a very young puppy. I mean, we talked about I mean, it, it like with strictures and stuff like that, but I think that's a little different because I'm sure, yeah, to me, like, especially for congenital, it makes sense that it's more nerve than mechanical. Yeah. So it is possible though, which I also found this amazing. It is possible for these nerves though, to continue to develop as the puppy continues to mature. So it is possible That's crazy. that you could have like a congenital young puppy with mega esophagus, but as it gets older, the mega esophagus problems don't tend to be as big of an issue. Like it might still be there, huh. but it's pretty mild. Interesting. Um, there's something also called a vascular ring anomaly. And this is what this is, is a band of tissue, which um, like it, it surrounds and constricts the esophagus. And then these tissue bands are remnants of fetal blood vessels, which are supposed to disappear before birth, but sometimes they don't. Um, so what can happen is even though it's constricting the esophagus, um, how it causes that, like it causes the symptoms of mega esophagus, even though it's constricting. Um, but if- Because probably be before the stricture it's probably dilating all of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then improvement can actually be obtained when the band is like surgically cut. But however, in 60% of our cases though, sometimes there's re residual regurgitation, regurgitation. And that is because you have that like dilation that was before that little stricture part. Which has caused issues. Is it just surgical or is it also, do, do they consider like endoscopy balloon dilation as part of being surgical i think the vascular ring anomaly is only surgical because it's on the outside of the esophagus okay i mean i imagine that you probably Actually, could use sense, a balloon yeah. but like if you were to just go in and surgically just like snip one part then it should in theory open Relax. up yeah huh interesting so, and then if megasophagus does occur in our adult patients, it's thought to be either idiopathic or acquired and usually acquired secondarily from another disease, such as myasthenia gravis, like we've talked about. Um, if it is secondary to another disease, there is a chance for improvement or even resolving if the disease is treated well. Yep. Um, secondary megasophagus can be due to, like I said, our favorite myasthenia gravis, systemic lupus erythematosus, polymyositis, hypoadrenocorticism, um, heavy metal toxicity. So like our mm. lead toxicity, um, other toxicities such as thallium toxicity. I don't even know what thallium is. I don't either, but I need to look it up. And then <laughs> glycogen, uh, storage disease, there's neurotoxin induced, uh, cholinesterase inhibition, um, dysautonomia, CNS disorders, including neoplasia, and then possibly hypothyroidism. Yeah. I, I remember, um, it's a lot of diseases. Remember hypothyroidism being like one of those like weird ones where you're like, okay. Yeah. I imagine that if there was like, say a thyroid tumor right. too, like pressing on the esophagus. That it could, I don't know. What if it like, I mean, I guess it's a stri stricture kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so my standing oh, gravis. So of- ready for this? Thallium. Okay. I had to Google it. Sorry. So thallium is a soft, malleable gray metal that was previously widely used in rat poisons and insecticides. Oh. Which makes sense because dogs are stupid and they eat anything. <laughs> huh. So myasthenia gravis so is considered the most common cause for megasophagus in our adult patients and is usually at the top of the roulette list. Yep. Um, we talked about myasthenia gravis in detail back in episode 64. So if you want to learn more about that, definitely go listen to episode 64. Yeah. That was, that was one of our narrow episodes, right? Yeah. I think it was like our last narrow episode. That makes sense. No, because episode 69 was our basics. So it was like the middle. <laughs> oh, huh. anyways, it was a narrow episode. <laughs> yeah. With the lovely Brittany Laughlin. Yes. Okay. So how this presents, it's usually canines that are affected. It's rarely seen in cats, but if seen in cats, it's typically a Siamese cat, you know. Interesting. Which I wonder if that correlates with like- cats get everything. (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like, I wonder if you see it in a Siamese cat, if it correlates with like those Siamese that have the just nice stagmus that's like normal for them. Like it's just a neurologic thing. Maybe, huh. I've, I've never seen it in a cat, so. I've never seen it in a cat either. Which means in the next like month, we'll probably see one, right? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) For our congenital cases, puppies are usually diagnosed when they're weaned um, over to solid food. And this is usually by 12 weeks of age. Mm. And then our genetically predisposed breeds are our breeds like German Shepherds, Labradors, Sharpays, Great Danes, Irish Setters, and Newfoundlands. Um, I've seen them in German Shepherds, Labradors. Irish setters. I've seen German shepherds, labs, an Irish setter. I've seen them in golden retrievers too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I don't see a ton of megasophagus, thankfully, because it's a whole thing, but yeah, definitely. um, I, I tend to see it in the large breed dogs, not so much the small guys. Which is funny because I think the majority of my cases were small breed dogs. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I think like the majority of my congenital cases were small breed dogs. Interesting. Huh. I mean, I, I can think it makes two. sense that like the vascular anomaly thing, you're like, well, you <laughs> probably have a systemic portal shunt too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? All your vessels are messed up. <laughs> they just didn't know how to develop right. Right. They tried. That's fine. Um, so common things that we're going to see, obviously, is going to be regurgitation at the top of the list. Go ahead and listen back to episode three for just us explaining the difference between vomiting and regurgitation and just how to talk to clients um, just to determine if the patient is in fact vomiting or regurgitating. Because that is a big a big key is trying to really ask the right questions. Um, and and questions usually... will be, they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, it's regurgitation. And then the, they continue to talk to you about vomiting. And you're like, for sure. You mean regurgitation, but okay. <laughs> I like, like how our, his, our, our questions about whether or not the dog or patient is regurgitating usually involve us making noises. Right? <laughs> <laughs> do they the do whole the body? Hoot, 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 or do they, they up, just or go it just like, Or does it just like sneak up on them and they're like, oh, ugh. I'm like, you know, like a verp. <laughs> yeah, like they're just walking along and it's just like, bleh. Right? <laughs> Okay. And then they're like, uh, it's in my mouth. Uh. Yeah. Yes. Um, patients can also have a decreased appetite or a reluctance to eat. Cause I don't know about you, but I don't tend to eat when I, I don't regurgitate very often, but well, and I would imagine it. Cause a lot of times, like in our x-rays, you'll just see the food, like sitting in the esophagus. I like, mean, like when I get an ice cube or something that feels like it won't go all the way down, I'm like, oh, right. And I, you know, I humans get mega esophagus. I'm sure they do, but we just naturally have a Bailey chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I would imagine like if your esophagus feels full, like you're, you, it, it's like your stomach feeling full. You're probably like, I don't want to eat because there's just yeah. stuff in my esophagus. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Sounds horrible. <laughs> 
these patients can also have weight loss, um, hard swallowing, drooling, coughing. Um, and then our differential diagnosis list is usually going to entail things like myasthenia gravis and strictures. Um, with our strictures, they do have a potential disrupt to disrupt nerve function within the esophagus as well as narrowing of the esophagus causing regurgitation. So that kind of goes back to my um, vascular ring anomaly. So like it could cause like the, that disruption of the, the nerves, but not true megaesophagus because there's no loss of like muscle function because obstruction is usually the thing that's causing the regurgitation with the stricture. Yeah. That makes like sense. with mega esophagus, you have a loss of muscle function with the stricture. You don't, it's like the esophagus is still trying to push it down, but it just can't. So it dilates. Mm, right. It's, um, like a, it's like an obstruction versus just not functioning appropriately. Exactly. Exactly. Tumors, of course, because tumors will never not be on the list when it comes to internal <laughs> medicine, I think. Um, Cancer can do whatever it wants. <laughs> Addison's disease, because the lack of cortisone production can actually alter the esophageal musculature. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is one of those diseases where it can be resolved with treatment. Yay. Yeah. Just replace those steroids and then the esophagus is all happy. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to do this? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, esophageal obstruction is also going to be on the list because, you know, symptoms. And then yep. <laughs> dysautonomia, it's rare, but it does have a secondary, uh, a 60% incidence of secondary megaesophagus with the disease. Um, this syndrome, which I believe we might actually have on our list of things to talk about. I just don't remember. But the syndrome usually involves total disruption of the entire autonomic nervous system, leading to difficulty urinating, dilated pupils, flaccid colon or megacolon, um, flaccid anal tone, poor tear production, and then of course, megaesophagus, because everything just is opening up. (laughs) These poor, these poor patients. That's crazy. That just sounds horrible. (laughs) Yes. Dermatomyotis. Cytis, dermatomyositis. Um, this is a condition that actually involves congenital blood vessel defects, but in the skin. Um, and this usually occurs in the face and of certain muscles. So the abnormal blood vessels usually lead to like poor oxygenation of the tissues surrounding it and then inflammation results and then tissue damage from there occurs from the lack of oxygen. And so what happens is the muscle gets scabs and ulcers, um, and then it can moderately affect dogs that have like to have muscle damage affecting the facial muscles, including mega esophagus resulting. So the breeds that are predisposed to this wonderful sounding disease is going to be collies and shelties. That sounds horrible. And I would guess yeah. that's, we probably don't see it as much as like derm probably. I bet sees you derm it. definitely sees it. I'll have yeah. to ask my derm friend. Interesting. I don't know if I've, I've I don't never, know if I've consciously seen a dog with it. How's that? No, I don't. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> like I probably saw like skin stuff and went, not it. <laughs> yep. And then of course we have lupus on the list, and then toxins because why not? Because we talked about it. <laughs> we did <laughs> thallium toxicity, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, our diagnostic testing. I'm just gonna really skip over our biochemistry CBC T4 UA. (laughs) Um, Those should be run just to kind of rule out secondary causes for megasophagus. If it is true megasophagus, these can typically be within normal limits other than maybe some mild dehydration from regurgitation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Radiographs can be obtained usually of the neck and the thorax, but what we'll do is like neck view, chest view, abdomen view. um, (laughs) Right whole dog but all separate because we don't do whole dog radiographs uh (laughs) yeah yeah and then these can be diagnostic just because you're you can see that dilated esophagus yeah um pretty well especially if you add contrast to it but we'll talk about that in a second so it is recommended to perform a contrast study or a swallow study um and then typically the contrast can be mixed with food and i like that just because it can make it a thicker consistency 
However, we should be cautious with our barium um, just because if aspirated barium doesn't like the lungs or the lungs don't like barium, I should say. Right. <laughs> the lungs yeah. don't like any, especially with megasophagus, we really have to be careful because we already know that their airway is not as well protected as normal. Right. Um, Iohexol is a, also a contrast medium that we can use and it's a little bit safer. So we'll usually mix a little bit of that with food. But, Which is funny because the food is still a problem. <laughs> the food is still a problem. I mean, all of the above, anything going in that dog's mouth is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is considered normal though for anesthetized patients or excited patients to have air filled esophagus, which can falsely look dilated. Yes, that's true. I, I've seen a couple where, um, it's like they have pneumonia and their esophagus looks big, but then once mm-hmm. the pneumonia resolves, like the esophagus looks normal. Yeah. And I don't and I know bet that's, why it's kind of I like, bet you it's because excited of like thing. Yeah. I, I bet know. you it's because of the panting and stuff like that. They're just yeah. like almost like aerophagic because they're trying to Breathe. inhale more. Mm, yeah. 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 Have you ever had pneumonia? Uh, not specifically pneumonia, but horrible bronchitis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Any, like, cause I know when you have like chest stuff, it's just not good. But like, I know when I've had pneumonia, like aside from like trying to breathe heavy, but then like not wanting to breathe heavy, like <gasps> there's been a couple of times where like, I'll go to like take a breath and then like, it almost like hurts. So then I end up like swallowing air. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> swallowing anyway. air is no fun unless you're doing it on purpose. I mean, I've definitely done that on purpose because it makes my stomach make funny noises. Yeah, I mean, I was a kid and we'd be like, I'm going to burp. And so you like swallow air. See, I could never do it to make myself burp because it just always went down. Like my esophagus apparently was too good at moving air down to my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) So my brother always thought it was weird that like I could swallow air and then my stomach would be like, and like, it would be really, really loud too. And like, I couldn't ever swallow air to actually burp. So, uh, which is probably not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it was great to just fill up my stomach with air. <laughs> right. Uh, Surprised I didn't bloat as a kid. Like, just. <laughs> oh my God. Could you. Total sidetrack. But could you imagine, like, that's like a number running one along cause and for then kids. I just, like, yeah. like, I They're like, oh, the kids bloated because they swallowed a bunch of air because they wanted to burp. Oh. <laughs> we, would, we would totally be that kid. I would 100% be that kid. And then like, it'd be one of those things where I'm like, dude, natural selection, like should have just, we're like, what's wrong with it? Well, don't worry. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents would have been like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm surprised, but apparently I wasn't ever active enough when I swallowed air. Right. <laughs> like rolling down a hill. <laughs> oh my God. Interesting. I wonder if people like get GDV. I wonder if they could, but I think our organs are placed a little differently, right? Because like, I'm I wonder sure if my are. spleen was moved over a little bit or moved down a little bit if I could tours. I don't know. Hmm. Again, we're not in human medicine, but interesting thoughts. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on with fluoroscopy. diagnostics. <laughs> so we fluoroscopy. talked about fluoroscopy in... Last week's episode, the yeah. stricture episode. Yeah, because we were, I mean, strictures and megasophagus. It's a lot, a lot of, of the times. same diagnostics, yeah. um, but fluoroscopy can be used to diagnose like the esophageal dysmotility. So you can mm. see with fluoro that like the esophagus is not moving. Yeah. There's no peristaltic waves happening. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then other tests to rule out other diseases because everything that we've talked about, well, <laughs> AKA radiographs and fluoroscopy diagnose mega esophagus. Everything else is to help rule out everything else everything that we talked about rule out why it's happening yeah yeah (laughs) so our acetylcholine receptor antibody test um can rule out our myasthenia gravis our anti-nuclear antibody test or an ana test can rule out our lupus which i've had that test actually i get that test done like every six months um (laughs) our (laughs) colon colonesterase activity can rule out our toxins Mm. and then of course if a true like neurologic condition aside from myasthenia gravis is suspected an emg can be performed um also conduction velocities and muscle biopsies can be done yeah and we talked about that with Brittany for sure um Mm -hmm. like what an emg and, and all that stuff is so definitely go back to the neuro uh 
series to kind of talk about that. Yeah. Um, so treatment for these guys, I'm going <laughs> to, okay. if there's a secondary condition, <laughs> treat that. exactly (laughs) that's like all of internal medicine if there's a secondary condition or a primary treat that and then other things can get fixed (laughs) exactly so when we're treating a true mega esophagus our goal is for treating mega esophagus is just to maximize our nutritional intake and yeah i was gonna say maximum nutrition intake with minimal volume of thing to get that nutrition in <laughs> mm-hmm. and then minimize aspiration. Yep. Um, not every patient is the same when it comes to mega esophagus, like not at all. Right. So we really need to determine if solid or liquid food is better for the patient or semi-solid or like meatballs versus true liquid or all of the above. And I'm yeah. going to get into so each patient is different some really do better with solid dry food i've seen this some dogs do better with dry food so some dogs do better with like pate food um where you can really make those like nice thick meatballs and then other dogs do really well with liquid food so if liquids are a problem for the patient though what can be done is water can be given to patients via like ice cubes or gelatin or low sodium broth, but some patients really just cannot, some of our mega esophagus patients really cannot tolerate liquids, including drinking water. Um, so this is where we need to be a little bit more creative and like, you can get flavorless gelatin and that's how they can get their water intake for the day. Um, elevated feedings are going to be our primary way of feeding. So these are Bailey chairs or step stools, elevated food bowls, like, putting food bowls on top of cardboard boxes or raised food dishes that are pre-built, but dogs should be able to sit upright and eat. They should stay in that position for 10 to 15 minutes after eating. But again, every patient's a little different. My wonderful Bobo, um, sometimes like when he has aspiration pneumonia, we keep him upright for a good 20 minutes, but when he's like feeling good and like, he's doing really well for a while, he can, he can tolerate only sitting upright for 10 minutes. Mm. Um, I'm going to post some links for where you can order Bailey chairs from, and a lot of these are custom made, um, yeah. but there's Bailey chairs, dogs, USA.com or Bailey chairs for dogs.com. Um, and then the other option for some of these patients too, is feeding tubes. So uh, esophagostomy tubes though, are not useful. We want to bypass the esophagus and those tubes sit in the esophagus. Um, so these are not useful. So gastric tubes are great because they can bypass the esophagus. However, they do not stop regurgitation because the pet is still going to be swallowing Mm. saliva and water sometimes, um, but it should reduce the amount of food that is regurgitated. And these are like our peg tubes. I did have one patient, he was like a lab mix um, and he had a peg tube that was just replaced every year. And he still sat up in a Bailey chair though, when he ate, um, even though. Yeah. And I've seen, um, the other thing too, (laughs) which is funny, I, I, I saw this on, I don't know, probably Facebook actually, um, where especially for a bigger dog, um, they would put like peanut butter on the window. And so they had to like stand on the windowsill and like slowly lick the peanut butter off so that that would help keep them upright. Cause again, it's all about using gravity instead of mechanical and electrical stuff. Um, but the esophagostomy tube or a gastro or gastric tube, you know, it, this could get them through like, um, especially if they have pneumonia, this can get them through like a crisis situation, but it's, I, we don't typically use it long-term. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you guys ever used them long-term? Just the peg tube. The peg tube. Yeah. Yeah. We have one patient like, because mom wanted it that way like she Mm. felt that the dog did better with a peg tube and preferred to feed the dog that way versus trying he was a very he was one of those dogs where dry food didn't work for him liquid food didn't work for him Mm. and semi-solid like pates and meatball kind of worked but not great um like he couldn't drink water we had to give him gelatin when he for water or put it in his peg tube and like he was just he lost a lot of weight, but with peg tube, he, he did great. So mom was like, mm, we're just going to leave this in. Yeah. And he's still alive. And that's been, 
how long have I worked here? I mean, I've known that dog since before I started working for internal medicine. Wow. Um, and it was just a fluke that he ended up at my internal medicine place. Um, so you probably saw him I mean, for the pneumonia. <laughs> no, we saw him to replace the peg tube, but she had gone to a university to originally have the peg tube placed. Oh, wow. Okay. But I guess my doctor had diagnosed the mega esophagus. It was all around the same time I was leaving my general practice. Got I knew it. him from general practice and I didn't know he had mega esophagus until I saw him at internal medicine. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's, it is, it's hard because it is a very um, labor intensive thing right? So that's, that's something you have to talk to clients about is that this is not going to be an easy, quick fix. And you're going to have to like do slow feedings. You can't just throw food at them and then run out the door. <laughs> so megasophagus pet for me would be horrible. <laughs> I'd be like, I can't handle it. It's too much time. <laughs> to feed kids and a megasophagus dog. I don't know if I could handle, right? I'd have to get my, I'd have to start my day at like four 30. Seriously. <laughs> So there's, there's different medications too, that can help with, um, motility as well as just preventing some stuff. So the first one is sildenafil, which is, is funny because this is, this is the, uh, the Viagra. <laughs> so, um, this is cool because it can open that cardiac sphincter to help the, pa uh, food pass into the stomach more easily because again, you know, the sphincter probably is normal. So it has normal function. So it stays closed until it gets told to open. But if you've got some nerve damage or you've got um, the food sitting higher up, it's not going to open appropriately. So that, you know, can, can help with these patients because they sometimes can also have a um, sphincter that's a, a little bit tighter. <laughs> well because it is trying to do its job, job. <laughs> yes and our mega that is very common in our megasophagus is to have like a more tightly closed cardiac sphincter because if you think about it if it doesn't have the motility of the esophagus to tell the sphincter to open yeah then like it's how just would like, it what? it's just like no i'm supposed to not let anything out right <laughs> i'm doing my job lay off and so yes. Dylan comes in and goes, I told you to open the door. Like, <laughs> right. oh my God. like slams his fist. Sorry. Are I know you it's know? the coffee and the pre-workout. And I just, <laughs> <gasps> it's okay. My face is red. Can you see it? It's like, Ooh, no, not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's also metoclopramide and cisapride. Now these have the opposite effects of sildenafil to help keep the cardiac sphincter closed tightly in patients whose sphincter might be open. So some of those patients who um, say you're like, you've got nerve damage changes to the sphincter as well. So it's, again, it depends on where the problem is. <laughs> the, <laughs> the esophagus what? is a long tube. I mean, relatively speaking. So is it like, is the issue higher up? Is it lower up? Is it by the sphincter? Is it include the sphincter or not include the sphincter? <sighs> Yay. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know until you do trial and error with medications and sometimes it gets worse and sometimes it gets better. In internal medicine? No way. I know. What? I, I'm sorry, everybody. My dog keeps walking around in this episode and it's like, I heard her last episode and I'm like, I can't edit it out because I'm talking. <laughs> like, I didn't hear it. Oh, I mean, right, I well. hear her now, but I didn't, I don't think I noticed it last episode. I think oh, you're just okay. hypersensitive to it because it's your dog and you get mad at her because you're like, just lay down. Just lay down, Zora. She <laughs> loves me. She's like, but what you're talking about stuff. I want to talk to you. Well, she comes up behind me. Like I'll hear her walking over here. And as I'm like talking, she'll come up behind me and like nudge my arm or nudge my side. Like, <laughs> She's like, excuse pets. <laughs> I want pets. Now I'm going to go lay down on the couch. Right. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> so there's also gastroprotectants and antacids. Um, things like sucralfate work really well. This is to help reduce stomach acid that just can cause damage when back flowing mm. up into the esophagus. We've talked about that a lot, especially in last week's episode. We've talked about it a lot during this whole series, actually. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then bethanacol can actually be used as well. However, this is still being studied. 
Um, but it's thought to help improve muscle strength and coordination of the esophagus. So I think this is like hmm. a human thing and they are studying it in animals. Um, yeah. So I thought that oh. was pretty interesting, which I meant to tell my boss about to see if we've ever tried that on Bobo, but I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, client communication is pretty big in these cases because it is very <sighs> important yeah. for these guys to know that depending on the cause, usually long-term care and specialized feeding and possibly medications are going to be like lifelong for these guys. Yeah. Um, not always with the medications part, but at least with the specialized feeding and long-term like specialty feeding and how yeah, I have and to it wake depends up at 4.30 on, every morning. Right. And it depends on what is causing the issue, right? So mm-hmm. obviously if it's like hyperthyroid or hypothyroidism, yes, it's lifelong medication it's not that big a deal for dogs. It's like twice a day med, that's it. But if it's, you know, um, if you've got cardiac sphincter issues or, you know, any of that stuff, you know, the medication may be lifelong. So the clients just need to know that. But honestly, I feel like the, the feeding and the water is going to be really the biggest impact because, especially if like they go away <laughs> um, and they have someone watching their pets, like they can't just be like, Oh, you know, put food down and, and stuff. It, it really needs to be consistent. Like you can't slip up because if you slip up, that's when like aspiration pneumonia. pneumonia happens. So uh, it can be very hard, especially if you've got a dog who's super food motivated too, right? Like, oh my God, could you imagine if Zara had mega No, it'd be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be eating the kid's food off the floor and give herself aspiration pneumonia. <laughs> Dude, all, all the time. Not to mention like the crap she eats out in the yard and like, I mean, yeah. not crap, but like toys. Like she right. just, she likes to freak, like, what did I pull out of her mouth this morning? I think it was a Lego. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, dogs. Good dog, but she's a bad dog. I mean, that's usually how it goes, right? <laughs> she's a good bad dog. Yes. The other, <laughs> the other huge part of this, and again, depending on where you're at, um, is just making sure clients understand what to look for with aspiration pneumonia, mm-hmm. and to make sure that they get brought in as soon as possible because earlier is better than later. Yeah. And sometimes um, this means telling them to bring in the dog if they've just regurgitated a couple times, not even if they're coughing or anything yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because, um, I don't know about you, but we've had a couple of cases like where we see them regur- like, especially if they regurgitate in the hospital mm-hmm. and they start coughing and you're like, no, if you take x-rays too soon, sometimes you don't see it. So sometimes you have to wait 24 hours to see the changes on x-rays, mm-hmm. but that sucks. <laughs> it does. Ugh. But these dogs really can have a good quality of life with consistency. Yeah. Like Bobo. Bobo yeah. has a great life. Well, yeah. And, and it's, it's managing, managing the, the regurgitation and aspiration that's that's the biggest key with these guys um, yeah yeah but because he's definitely had aspiration pneumonia a couple times but like we've always caught it early like he's never had to be hospitalized for it like it's yeah. just one of the well that and like he lives with veterinarians so i guess right they could do there's a lot that. of stuff but, at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like it, he's never been that sick like he's and it's because it always is like, right now. I know. Cause then he's going to come in and Holly's all going to be like, he regurgitated three times yesterday. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Don't. Cause we always it. take x-rays when he's like had a day where he's regurgitated several times. We'll take x-rays the following day. And I'm like, oh, oh um, yeah. Anyway. So our cautions, obviously <laughs> for these guys though, is aspiration pneumonia really can be severe and very debilitating for some patients, especially if not caught early or a patient has other underlying conditions. I can't tell you how many times a mega esophagus patient has come in for like a euthanasia because of severe aspiration pneumonia. Yeah. Mind you, these are like my older patients who I was gonna say, like, it's, it's never young the older ones. Yeah. It, it's just those ones that have a hard time recovering yeah. from aspiration well, pneumonia. And the older dogs, I feel like too, like they'll, they'll be laying down and aspirate, mm-hmm. you know, instead of out running around and aspirating. Yeah. You know, and then like they get the more they more get up and run it. around and coupage and like, but these old dogs, I mean, like I get it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like with older people too, right? Like anytime you get pneumonia, it's just, it's usually so much worse because you're not moving around. You've got more, you know, you're not healing as quick. So <sighs> it's definitely the hard, um, hard part of having a mega esophagus dog. Definitely. You know why I know that we've had more small breed mega esophagus than large breed at work. We used to keep a baby Vior because oh. it's some, like <laughs> it used to belong yep. to Bo, but then like, it, it would be one of those things where we would just carry around our mega esophagus patients <laughs> with us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have, um, we have a couple of our, our texts that like, especially in CCU, they'll get like a sheet or a towel that they can tie together and make like a baby Bjorn for some of these patients. Um, especially the patients that bark a lot. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's like a sling. They make a sling out of it. Yeah. For little dogs, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So story time. (laughs) I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with mega esophagus, but I'm thinking like little dogs and carrying them around. Dude, we had this patient on Friday. He was 240 pounds. 240 pounds. And I was thinking, so it's an English Mastiff. And I was like, that is a very overweight English Mastiff coming in. Nope. This thing looked beautiful. You could see his waistline. Like he oh God. was a so fantastic he was like looking. He was just feet tall. huge. <laughs> he was huge. I mean, like, and he was so, thank God he was so well-behaved. Like <laughs> he was like, can I say how much I hate doing x-rays or ultrasounds? on giant mastiffs or giant great danes i'm like our tables aren't big enough i'm not picking up 50 70 pounds of dead weight like just i mean i think one of his legs was probably people. 70 pounds <laughs> yeah. so i i really wish i would have gotten a picture of him next to my coworker because she's 411 oh god like, <laughs> and it was her appointment too so she's like holding on to the leash i was like dude if he just like wanted to go i was like if he just dead. wants to sniff like, a flower you're gone <laughs> yeah i'm like there's no saving you she's like you could hold him i was like no he's your patient like <laughs> oh nice <laughs> he drooled so much but he was he was a beautiful dog like was i was very for? impressed anal gland issues <laughs> oh but we didn't need to ultrasound them thank god <laughs> it really was just anal gland issues it was one of those things where once we got him in there we're like why are we seeing him oh <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he was doing fine like otherwise he just had bloody anal glands and i was like man i haven't done anal glands in so long <laughs> like right oh my gosh but I was happy to see him. He, like I said, he was a very well-behaved 240 pound dog. And I was like, this is amazing. Cause normally they're not this well-behaved. And no, that means the owners were being very good. Yes. <laughs> and yes. T- and know how to handle a 240 pound dog. Thank goodness. <sighs> it's the tip of the week. Uh, tip of the week. I would say for mega esophagus is just the Bailey chair stuff. Yeah, um, and I'll post you, that. If you don't know about Bailey chairs, definitely check them out. Like the two websites are, are really good references. Um, just because for long-term management of these kids, um, it can help. If for some reason, like a client can't afford a Bailey chair, um, I've seen like garbage cans with pillows, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the size of the dog. So there's options, but if they can either build a Bailey chair or get one built for them. It just, it makes management of these guys so much easier. And the cool thing is, is 90 99% of the time, these dogs love the Bailey chair because it equals food. Exactly. <laughs> like it equals good stuff. <laughs> so most of the times they, they love it. Definitely. And now for the question of the week. I think our question of the week is, do you have a memorable patient, a memorable patient? Um, I'll get permission to post maybe a picture of Bobo because I love him so much. Um, So if you do get permission to post a picture, please, because I would love to see it because I just love these little dogs, especially if it's a interesting breed or if you even have one of the breeds that I mentioned earlier today, like a German Shepherd or... Irish setter or whatever else was on my list. Sharpay. Oh my God. Could you imagine a Sharpay with mega esophagus? Ooh. I mean, that would suck because they're not always the nicest. Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess if they have loose skin everywhere, I'm not surprised that they have loose esophagus too. (laughs) Oh my God. 
that's why they have it yeah exactly (laughs) nature was just like you're born this way (laughs) that's it just loose yeah oh my god well i mean technically that's integument right yeah exactly (laughs) just all sharpays have dysautonomia (laughs) (laughs) oh no that'd be horrible wouldn't it anyway let me know though because like i said i'd be happy to hear about a special patient i have a couple in mind um but like i said i'll try to get permission to post a picture of bobo um maybe i can find that picture of me with him in the baby bior um nice best but anyway (sighs) anything else on mega esophagus for this week i it's we've talked about it in a couple of episodes so i think just referring back to like the nervous system and um just the gi basics i think is gonna is gonna help too so yeah i'm actually surprised despite how much we've talked about mega mega esophagus i'm still able to talk about it for another hour over an hour (laughs) i mean we talked about very specific stuff for it so there's that yeah (laughs) yeah so all right but i do think that wraps up this week's episode guys and then we start a new series next week uh, i have anxiety about it <laughs> that's what we're talking about <laughs> oh my god you have anxiety right. about it because we're talking about anxiety yeah and i'm just, in humans not in dogs right this is a little outsider wheelhouse guys <laughs> so you'll get right. to hear about all my mental disorders oh, god, all um, of them like the one dork there's a couple. We love you anyways. Sorry. <laughs> we're ending the stigma here and we're going to be honest and we're going to lay it all out on the table. Woo. And I'm not going to cry. Yeah, I can't guarantee there's no crying in, in the future episodes. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably a good call. So, all right, guys. Well, let us know um, if you have any questions about megasophagus. Um, and then keep getting your learn on be rock stars because you guys are all rock stars at this point if you are in this field (laughs) and you're surviving you are a rock star exactly um all right guys have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon bye thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.